Welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. Q is about conversation. If we're really concerned about ending poverty, we've got to be more concerned about creating justice. Our cultural products as Christians need to both defy and resonate with the culture. God's doing amazing things. His church is expanding, his church is growing. It's not what's the purpose of my life, it's what is the purpose that's been assigned. Stay curious, think well, advance good. This is Q. You know, some ways, the American church, we just keep bringing in program after program, and programs don't change people. And just getting people connected doesn't change people. Just getting people in small groups doesn't change people. Having phenomenal, smoke-machine-filled, awesome worship services don't change people deeply. And Jesus knew that. And so the question is, how do I begin to disciple people? I've got to begin with my own discipleship. That again was Speeds Cazero, former pastor at New Life Fellowship Church in Queens, New York City, and currently the head of a ministry called Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. This is Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons on Faith Radio. Hi, I'm Paul Perot. And last week, Gabe started a conversation with Pete about the book Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. We live in an anxious world. That anxiety is a barrier to being truly transformed by and formed in the gospel and the ways of Jesus. You would think that those who are pastors and leaders would be least affected by the anxieties of the world, but the opposite is oftentimes true. And if a pastor or leader is emotionally and thus spiritually unhealthy, this will negatively impact those they shepherd and care for. So this week, we want to continue that conversation between Gabe and Pete. But before we do, if you're a leader and you see the fast changes in the world around us, along with staying emotionally healthy, it's also helpful to think through the issues that swirl around you. And with that, Gabe, you have announced something new at Q. Tell us about it. For 15 years, we've been gathering leaders through our Q Ideas Culture Summit annually to assess where the culture's headed and to better understand how to faithfully navigate our cultural moment. But we believe now it's more important than ever to strengthen the relationships amongst leaders, to come together more regularly and to discuss the issues that seem to be coming up for us on a monthly basis. We don't have time to wait until April to engage some of these topics. We need to do that now. And that's why we've created the Collaborative. The Collaborative is an eight-month learning experience, a cohort of sorts, that's going to bring together 100 leaders who want to go deeper with Q ideas and how we better understand the culture, the issues, the current events, and how we as leaders can faithfully navigate that. Whether you're a church leader, an entrepreneur, a business leader, working in film and entertainment, wherever your vocation is, this is going to be a space for you to step away, to gain perspective, to go deeper, to anchor what it means to be faithful in this moment. And here's how this is going to work. We're going to kick this off with a one-day gathering in Franklin, Tennessee, September 30th. For all of our participants who can make it here in physical form, we're going to spend that day together kicking off and launching this community. And when we do that, you're going to hear from multiple experts and learning community leaders who are going to help us better understand where this journey is going to go and how we all can access it. The second piece of this is on a monthly basis, you're going to read a book. We're going to introduce you to an expert. I'll be interviewing experts, as you've come to expect from Q, around these very important topics and issues that you can explore on our website. And each month we'll have one focus, one theme, and one topic 
but we'll also be discussing the current events and the current issues that are taking place throughout that month, and you'll be able to break that down into your smaller community. So every other week, you'll gather together with a smaller subgroup. If you're a church leader, you'll gather with other church leaders. If you're a vocational leader in business or in the culture, you'll gather with other cultural leaders. If you're a next generation leader, you'll be coming together with a cohort of next generation leaders. And each one of those will allow you to have incredible and dynamic conversations, all on our private platform through Q Media, so that you can have access to uncensored conversations and the ability to have Q&A and conversation that's going to help meet the needs that you have as a leader. Now, the end of this eight months comes together at the end of April, April 28th and 29th at our Culture Summit, our annual event. So part of being a part of the collaborative means you also have access to join us at that Culture Summit event and come together physically with the community you've been learning with year-round. So here's the goal. Let's spend the next eight months together. If you're a leader and you feel compelled right now that you need to go deeper as a leader, you need to go deeper in your understanding of the times to know what to do, what you ought to do as a leader, how you ought to lead the people around you, how you ought to lead your family, your friends, your local community, then this is going to be an opportunity for you to go deeper with us here at Q Ideas. Our leaders and our experts will be working together with you to help you form your opinions, help you think through the multiple issues that you're faced with and how you can faithfully navigate. Now, if you're interested in learning more about the collaborative, this eight-month cohort experience presented by Q Ideas, simply visit qideas.org slash cohort. Again, qideas.org slash cohort. Let's continue with this week's Q Ideas as we listen again to Gabe's conversation with Pete Scazzaro about emotionally healthy discipleship. Actually, we'll start the conversation by backing up just a bit from what we heard last week and reflect again on pacing and the importance of Sabbath in our discipleship. Let's continue listening. just how when you're faithful like this, your last decades can be some of the most powerful. And I think for a lot of younger people, man, the patience to, to say, I'm going to go a certain pace here that's going to allow me to stay in tune with right relationship with God and others and my own rest, my own rhythms. Uh, and in a world today that's all about results, productivity, that's what get measures, that's what seems to get rewarded the church just kind of opted into that yeah. how how do church leaders right now i mean how I, I know you give some examples of of the daily office there's some practices that you implemented within your your organization your church what are some of those practical ways that church leaders organization leaders even families can be trying to integrate this type of pacing into their life well i'd like to begin with to slow people down i like to begin with sabbath uh, only because it's a 3,500-year uh, history, historical tradition within Judaism. That's, you know, part of the our church, you know, history as well. And to take a 24-hour period each week to actually stop all work, uh, you know, rest, delight in God, and experience uh, what it's like to be loved and enjoy the beautiful, wondrous world God's made, that life's a miracle— uh, for 24-hour period every week on a consistent basis, that alone is revolutionary. It's I like what Bruggeman, Walter Bruggeman, the theologian, says. It's it's resisting powers and principalities that define us by what we do. And I, when I'm trying to help pastors and leaders, and most are type A like I am and have three visions by breakfast like I do, uh, the Sabbath is a great place to start. 
uh, to learn about Sabbath and begin to practice experimenting with it initially. It takes a while to figure out. I mean, Israelites didn't figure it out right away. Uh, it's going to take some time, but to, to orchestrate it, or architect and curate a Sabbath that fits your personality, your life, that's a revolutionary act and a prophetic act uh, for an individual leader to take today that's, again, in and of itself, powerful. Yeah, I love the practice of Sabbath. I mean, I, we this last weekend had a great Sabbath with, with our family, you know, on the hammocks outside for hours. And just seeing how even our children just respond to that kind of space uh, mm-hmm. in their life, you know, listen to the birds chirp, just enjoying nature. And, and I know for everybody, there's different ways in which you get filled up again and you get reset. But if we don't start there, you're right. It's like we, we operate not out of rest, but we operate trying to earn rest. And that is not what God's design was for us. Um, you talk about these four failures that you have seen undermine emotionally healthy discipleship. Yeah. Uh, could you talk about those four? Just kind of give us a, a sense of each one of those. And, and then we might dig into a couple of them. So, uh, the, the four are tolerating emotional immaturity. The second is emphasizing doing for God over being with God. And the third is uh, ignoring the treasures of church history. And the fourth is defining success wrongly. Now, since we've talked about slowing down where our doing for God or doing in life flows from a cup that's overflowing with of being with God. So that's so that slowing down is key, which is one big component. But a second big component, as God has led us on this journey, and again, it's just our journey and uh, is what we call uh, emotional maturity or emotional health. And this is very different than emotional intelligence that many business leaders are, have been exposed to, which all, is all very good for the business world. But for us, when we talk about formation in Jesus, um, emotional, the, the, when we talk about a person being transformed by Jesus has to impact their their entire life, spiritual, relational, uh, intellectual, uh, and as well, physical as well as emotional. And so my work in my early years when this journey was, what does it mean to get at that emotional component? Um, and because we had so many people I was exposed to were so gifted, myself too, I was just, I was building this great church, but my own wife didn't feel loved by me. I was very out of touch with my emotional world. I was not very self-aware, didn't know how to connect with people well, um, lowly differentiated. Um, uh, I, I didn't do sadness, didn't do fear very unaware of my family of origin impacted me today. And so we, when I realized this in 1996 is when this whole journey started and this realizing, oh my goodness, like there's whole stuff in scripture about emotional uh, maturity being connected to spiritual maturity, things like first Corinthians 13, all kinds of texts. And it's like a whole world just opened up to me. And so we went, I mean, I realized I was an emotional infant trying to raise up mothers and fathers of the faith, and it was almost comical. Uh, and here I was having all this Bible in my head, but I had big gaps in my own formation, and it was it was it was leaking out everywhere in the culture I was building as a church. So uh, I went full tilt on it, Gabe. I you know I ended up I went for a doctor of ministry in marriage and family because I wanted to make the connection of all the stuff that people do in therapy and therapists and PhDs and say, how how does this relate to leadership development? And so I went on a big journey and so did my wife, Jerry, and pioneering things like genograms of how your family of origin impacts who you are today, grief and loss and all that stuff in scripture about lamentations. And 
I mean, it was just, it was, it was an amazing freeing journey. So we talk about like what's under my, keeps us shallow in discipleship. Yes, it's, it's, we're, we're going way too fast and we're skimming on the surface. We've got to slow down our lives to, to be with God and ourselves. But then secondly, we ignore this whole huge emotional component of uh, who we are on the inside and that we don't, we don't disciple people in that. We, 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 we don't deal with it. We don't touch it. And so we think just preaching sermons is going to be enough. Uh, and it's not. And so again, I, I could have been, a, I could have been talking to you right now and having crashed and burned, but I knew and Jerry knew that God had rescued us from, we could have been another leader disaster uh, in the mid nineties, like so many people we knew and we knew by the grace of God, we'd made it. Yeah. Well, throughout throughout your book, you give all these practical assessments people can take about their own emotional maturity and whether they're an infant in certain areas, an adolescent, mature adult, you know, uh, really helpful, just practical. I highly recommend this to any leader listening. And if you haven't read earlier books that Pete has written on the emotionally healthy leader, um, that's where my journey began. And then emotionally healthy church. I mean, there's a lot of these where you've been just helping bring people along on this journey. Um, but when it came to discipleship, this became priority right now in a church that we, we have, it, you know, it, it seems more and more people kind of consuming information and content mm-hmm. and learning and podcasts like this. And they turn to this information, but man, not necessarily getting discipled. I think of Paul's moment, um, I think in... Second Corinthians, where he talks about you have 10,000 teachers, but no fathers. Yes. You know, it's this idea that we're, we're consuming content, but we don't have fathers. And discipleship reminds me of fathering. It's like yes. somebody coming along and saying, let me bring you with me and model what, what this life looks like. And it's just slow. Um, but discipleship for you, I mean, this, this book, after you've written so many books, this was the one that, that for this season, you felt like God was saying, you got to go in on discipleship. Why is that? Well, everything rises and falls on discipleship. Um, worship, giving, mission, body life, uh, marriages, families, children, youth. I mean, there's nothing that's untouched. And I, uh, so I, obviously I'm after leaders. I'm just like you are a Q. I mean, I, I, you transform a leader, you can transform all the ones that everyone they're influencing, you know, their churches or ministries or businesses or nonprofits. Um, but I realized that the problem with leaders is their own discipleship. And so uh, in some ways I wrote this book to leaders and pastors about discipleship for the whole culture and church, but it has to begin with us as leaders. And again, I had big gaps in my discipleship and I, and I was doing everything I kind of knew to do at that point, um, but it just, they were missing holes. And some of that goes back to history. Um, some of it goes back to just our own blindness at this. And every, every historical moment has blinders. That's why, that's why history and the, the world is so important for us to be in touch with so we can help, you know, see some of our blinders. But I, um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I was talking to a pastor and I was telling him I was reading your book, and I said it's a great book. You you need to read it. It's it's convicting me on my own um, need to like produce, have big vision, do things, and not necessarily quiet down and and have the quiet space and the reflective time to really hear from Jesus and be with Jesus versus doing. 
Um, and this person hadn't read your book yet, but just quickly said, yeah, I'm so excited about discipleship. I'm, I'm planning for our whole church next month to launch this church-wide discipleship program, you know, and, and there was part of me, this is a judgmental part of me, but there was part of me going, oh, wait, just please read this before you do that, <laughs> yeah. you know, because there, there's so much more to this than launching just another program, another small group thing, another exactly. another way to just get people to circle up and talk about a book or you know, it's just so much bigger than that. And until, like you said, your focus is on the leader, until the leader is going through that transformation themselves, it's it's kind of hard to paint that picture and walk people through and actually, it. Gabe, I actually ask people uh, not to bring in, not to bring emotionally healthy discipleship into your church right away, please. Like, don't. Like, just bring it to yeah. yourself first. Yeah. And, th- and that is the, the death of... Um, you know, some ways the American church, we just keep bringing in program after program and programs don't change people. Uh, and just getting people connected doesn't change people. Just getting people in small groups doesn't change people. Having phenomenal smoke machine filled, awesome worship services don't change people deeply. And Jesus knew that. And so the question is, how do I begin to disciple people? Well, I've got to begin with my own discipleship and really wrestling with areas where I've got to make sure I'm getting invested in somewhere. Uh, and then out of that, slowly begin to bring it to some other people around me, my core team, and, and then kind of in concentric circles moving out. But the problem is everybody wants it fast. And I get calls all the time, Gabe, like, you know, hey, I want to do this. We're all in. I'm like, why don't we just start with you before you go all in? Why don't you see if you're all in? Because <laughs> everyone, you yeah. know, I listen. Okay, people like my books; they buy the books. I, I, I'm really not in the business of like selling books. My, my goal and I, my love and my calling is for the church to be transformed, and so we create materials to help that process. But transformation can can only come life on life, and it's just slow and messy and. Half the people don't work out, you know, it's just, it's just yeah, hard. Yeah. A lot of disappointment, a lot of, <laughs> exactly. yeah, a lot of challenge, it's real, real world, real distractions. And, and, you know, lots of times people get that close to it and go, well, I, I'm not really sure I want this. Yes. And that can be discouraging for pastors and it can make pastors go, well, I don't know if this is working because people are walking away from it. And I think your point to them is, wait, it's probably working. Like it's probably refining. It's probably producing the kind of. Um, demand. And, and I know when I talked to, I know a friend of yours in New York City, John Tyson, and when we were in New York City in church, it, it was, you know, these urban environments, it, it seems even the, the younger generations are saying, I want more. Like, yes. I, want, I want you to ask more of me, not less of me. I don't want to skim. Like, give me more here, because if this is real, I realize it has to actually encounter my entire life and has to be something that's going to be a uh, part of me all the time and not just a, a church service that I'm showing up to. Um, and, and I think sometimes we, sh- we sort of assume like younger generations need just more shallowness and that is not what they're after. Yeah. I think COVID-19 really has accelerated that trend uh, where we almost, people are realizing I, the crowd's not enough, just having a full room to feel good about things. I can't even have that anymore the way I did. And so, yeah, the, the young generation, they're, they're desperate for mentors. But you know what? I was desperate when I was 20, 22, 25. I was like, where are the fathers you know, who can mentor us? Right. Uh, I, I think it's just a natural longing. And 
I, I pray that people in their, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, you know, we can really give ourselves to the next generation that they can get on our shoulders and, you know, do some really creative wineskin ministries that will fit the changing culture in which we live. Yeah. Well, in closing, uh, you have a chapter that deals with grief and the need for us to walk through those things and walk through pain. And you, you do also describe a lot about feeling our feelings. And, and as you just talked earlier about the types of leaders that tend to lead these large churches and organizations, there's a lot of just kind of moving past the pain to keep going to that next level. And that seems to just be a part of that temperament and personality. Could you just give us a, a moment here on why is it so important for a leader that might be listening to this? And that's been their journey to date to take the time to feel feelings, to take the time to go back and look at their family of origin, to look at grief and, and the story that's been told to them over time so that that, going, that would impact the future of, of, of their ministry being more healthy. Listen, I don't know anybody who likes to lean into grief and loss. Okay, I mean, we just naturally go the other direction because it's painful. I'd rather suppress it, medicate it, uh, deny it, uh, shift blame to somebody else, but I don't want to feel pain and enter my grief and loss. But I'll just, my great exhortation to all of you who are listening uh, in leadership is one of the great leaders, uh, if not the greatest in the Old Testament was David. Uh, two thirds of the Psalms are laments. Uh, I mean, he commits adultery and murder and writes a Psalm about it, you know, Psalm 51 to be sung in church. We have a whole book called Lamentations, uh, you know, Jeremiah in the midst of the rubble of Jerusalem. And if we're going to grow into maturity ourselves um, and to raise up mature men and women around us, we have to become not simply apprentices to grief, but we've got to become masters. You know, think of a, a craftsperson, a master electrician or a master plumber, or a master artist. They go through apprenticeship and then journeyman, journeywoman, then they move into mastership. I, I consider grief a similar journey. We, we kind of dabble in it. But if we're going to be in leadership, we've got to become like David and Jeremiah and Jesus and, and master it where it becomes a part of our being where the treasures that God has for us in it, we're actually like mining it because really all of, all of life is about loss. If you think about it, I mean, I, Jonathan Edwards once wrote a great sermon on the story of Job is the story of us all, but some of us will lose everything in a moment, but most of us will lose everything very slowly till at the end of life. We'll, we'll have let go of everything. We'll have surrendered, but grief and loss just, it forces us to confront our self-will that we're, we're not in control. And the invitation is we surrender to a God that, my gosh, he's wild. And this process of what are you doing, God, I don't know, but I trust you. It's, it's a very vulnerable, weak place to be in. Uh, but we've got to go there first. And, you know, I'm still growing and maturing in grief and loss. It's not that I, I like to do, but to go through COVID like we've just gone through and just like, okay, man, let's get on back to where we were. Uh, that is dooming the church to maturity. Yeah. Um, it's really a moment for us to pause and say, you know, and, and to grieve and ask God, what are the new things you want to birth through this? How are you coming through this? What are you saying to me through this and to us through this as a church? Uh, but to just go back and skip over and say, glad that's over. Uh, that, that would be a recipe for stagnation.
Well, again, this is Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons, and that was Gabe's conversation with Pete Scazzaro about both his book and ministry. Both are called Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. And, Gabe, there was so much in that conversation that jumped out at me, and I'm sure for many listening. That back and forth, I mean, it was so helpful for me, not only reading his books, but hearing his perspective and the way he just keeps pointing us back to, like, our ultimate health is going to be found in the private place, in the secret place, not in the public place. And when that secret place is off, when that is not being invested in, it absolutely will impact everything that we lead, everyone that looks up to us, every relationship that we have. And in a world like today where that's not celebrated much, it's countercultural. We have to fight for it. We have to work for it. We have to have people around us, friends around us, those who love us, hold us accountable to do it. And so I couldn't recommend more to you his book, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, Moving from Shallow Christianity to Deep Transformation, not for your whole church, but for you. Take a moment to take some time to read this book, to process it, to go through the assessment, to self-assess where you sit on this chart. You know, are you an emotional infant or are you mature? And what areas do you need to see some health grow in? And where do you need to invite Jesus in to help you walk through that? Is there grief you need to process? Is there feelings that you've been covering up that are making you a very unhealthy person to be around? These are some of the questions that will come up as you read that book. And you can learn more about his work at Emotionally healthy.org. And I hope you'll do that. I hope you'll go through that process. Summer's such an important time where we all take a few moments. I, I know not everybody just takes big breaks, but there are a few extra moments to pull out that book, to read, to step away from all the demands of life and to invest in who you're becoming. And so I think this book would be a great tool for that. Well, thank you again for being a part of this community. Please share this with other friends. Share this with people. If you're on an elder board, if you're part of a board of an organization, even with just your team, share this conversation. Let it be an encouragement to others about doing that inner work, the hard inner work that's so critical to come before any of that work that anybody else sees. Well, that's all we have time for this week. Again, thanks for listening to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. Remember the information we talked about at the start of the show regarding the Collaborative for Christian Leaders. You can learn more about that at qideas.org slash cohort. On behalf of Gabe, I'm Paul Perot. Blessings and have a great week. This show is made possible in partnership with Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Thank you for listening to the Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make your gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or on your podcast player. And thank you for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons.